It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome to Crossover Wednesday. I am Tyler Rowland, host of the Locked On Titans podcast. We are here with Bill, host of the Locked On Panthers podcast. Bill, how are you doing tonight? Good, Tyler. How are you doing, man? Good to be here. I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Thank you for thank you for coming on, and uh, thank you for having me as well. Well, I will jump right into it. The Panthers sit at 4-3, and three, and although last week was a pretty ugly loss to the San Francisco 49ers, this is a pretty good football team, in my at least in my opinion, in my estimation. Uh, the defense is excellent, as usual. Uh, struggling a little bit in the run game, though. They're giving up 135 rushing yards per game right now. It's 27th in the NFL. What is it about the defense that, although they're pretty good against the pass, and we'll get to that, why are they having so many struggles against the run? Yeah, it's been rough. You know, just a run of strong running backs they've gone up against. Uh, Obviously, they got gashed last week by the 49ers, by Tevin Coleman and Matt Burita. Uh, You know, just a lot of inconsistency, really, especially in the secondary, uh, you know, Trey Boston, for one, has been really up and down in terms of uh, making tackles and just being around making plays. So uh, it's it's just kind of a lot of things. You know, not having K1 short has been has been felt at times. Um, Vernon Butler has done a nice job kind of picking up the slack, but you know, not having that leadership certainly uh, certainly rears its ugly head at times, and uh, the the offenses they're going up against have, have just been really strong. Like I said, um, you know, especially last week, but uh, just, just a lot of ups and downs really with, with the, with the Panthers defense, it's really hard to kind of figure out, you know, what you're going to get, uh, especially when they mix around a lot, but um, it, it's just a tough call. And, you know, this week could certainly be uh, another tough week to call because Derek Henry, big bruiser, uh, they they could have their their uh, their issues with him if they're not kind of, if they're not careful. So I'm really interested in you know how they're going to game plan against Derrick Henry. Uh, you know how Luke and Shaq are going to get involved, and uh, really if the j- the secondary can just continue to to step up here. Yeah, well, they will have to uh, be stout in the run game. Whether the Titans are effective in the run game or not is another question, but they definitely will try to run it no matter what. Uh, One area of the Panthers' defense, obviously, that that is excellent is their edge rushers. You mentioned some of the guys inside uh, that have been stepping up in the absence of short, but one area where this defense excels is their edge pressure. We've seen that with Bruce Irvin, Brian Burns, the rookie, and Mario Addison. Right now, the Panthers, I believe, they have like 30 sacks at the moment. It's pretty high up in the league, and they don't really blitz a lot. I, I was looking up some numbers. It looks like you guys really only blitz about 24 to 25% of the time. So what is it about those edge rushers, though, that are helping you be so effective in, in the pass rush? Just a, a strong push, strong get off. I mean, especially Brian Burns with how quickly – he has developed, and we, we knew he was going to be a strong pass rusher uh, coming into coming into the league out of Florida State. We knew he had all the tools, and 
he's just continued to build on those skills and has already been a force even in just a limited role. You know, he's not out there playing um, 70, 80 percent of the snaps. He's only playing about half the snaps and he's still so effective. And his presence just kind of opens opens things up for some of the other guys. And that's why Mario Addison has continued to have success. Marquise Haynes has done well at times, even Christian Miller. So it it just seems like Brian Burns is already starting to become that uh, that that huge presence that yeah. other teams kind of have to really respect and really game plan towards, and it's just freeing up uh, freeing up the rest of the defense and those those other edge rushers. So well, they, they I really as a did. Titans fan really really wanted Brian Burns in the pre draft yeah. process. I, I like <laughs> I thought even on draft day as he was sliding down the board, I was sitting there praying. Like I'm happy with Jeffrey Simmons. I don't want to get it twisted, but Brian Burns was somebody who I thought the Titans might have a shot at, and I was really disappointed to see Carolina take him off the board. That was an excellent pick, and and obviously you can see it working out for you guys. Other than your edge rushers and and the run defense there. Uh, you know, we know about James Bradbury. We know about Luke Keekley. Uh, looks like Shaq Thompson is, is playing very well now that he's, you know, acclimated to the league and had a few years to develop. With those kind of studs that you guys have in the back seven and then the edge rushers, how do you think this defense plans on attacking this limited Titans offense? Their formula for success really has just been getting after the getting after the quarterback. It's it's what helped them beat Arizona. It helped them beat Houston. You know they just really got after Kyler Murray and Deshaun Watson, some of these other quarterbacks. So that's kind of been uh, that's just what's been helping the Panthers roll is just getting getting after the passer. So it's all about putting pressure on uh, Ryan Tannehill. And just kind of getting him off his mark, and if, if the Panthers can do that, I, th- I think they could rattle Tannehill a little bit and slow up this offense. And uh, the the Panthers' offense should should have enough firepower, especially after last week, uh, that they should get back to putting points on the board. So if they can if they can rough up Tannehill, I, I think they've got a good shot here. Yeah, I don't think that that is a bad plan at all. The Titans have given up, I believe, 34 sacks on the year, which is more than, you know, the Panthers have have gotten. So clearly the Titans offensive line is struggling to protect whoever the quarterback happens to be. I'm going to flip to the other side of the ball on you here. Your MVP candidate and one of, at least personally, I have to admit, one of my favorite NFL players to watch on Sundays when I got the Red Zone channel on with the Titans game is Christian McCaffrey. He's been phenomenal so far this year. This this rushing offense has been pretty solid as well with 129 rushing yards per game. I My real question here, everyone knows about McCaffrey, and, and I know the offense is designed well, but the offensive line for the Panthers I felt like took a lot of heat the last few seasons, and at least in the running game, it looks like they're getting some pretty good movement and opening some holes for Christian McCaffrey. Are they any better? Is my assumption there correct? Or is McCaffrey really just that special that despite a a bad offensive line, he's putting up these kind of numbers and performances? Yeah, I think there's been a lot of inconsistencies with this offensive line. Um, Injuries have rattled them a little bit again. Uh, You know, Greg Little's missed some time with a concussion. So Dennis Daly, the sixth round pick has, Got a lot more time in his rookie year than we initially thought he was going to get. We, th- we thought Daly was going to come in as a developmental guy and just learn on the bench a bunch of these positions, but he's actually had to play some meaningful snaps. So 
Um, you know, that that hurts kind of the continuity of the offensive line. So they, they've taken some hits. Uh, Matt Paradis has has had his moments. Uh, Darrell Williams really, uh, really had struggled at left tackle. I believe they put him back at right tackle uh, last week against the 49ers. And that had always been uh, more of his natural position or at least where he seemed more comfortable because, you know, before he had the, the injury last season, he spent his entire career at right tackle. So he's he's better there, I think. And Moten, I've always been a huge fan of when he was at right tackle, and I think he'll excel at left tackle. So, you know, there's there's some uh, there's some speed bumps, but overall it is still, I think, a better group collectively than, say, this point last year when they were really right. riddled with injuries and you're running guys like Chris Clark and eventually Marshall Newhouse <laughs> at left tackle, and it was Ooh. just an absolute mess. But on the flip side, obviously, Christian McCaffrey has just turned into a stud, like you said. So I, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a mix of both. You know, the offensive line does look better, but Christian McCaffrey is just one of those guys that he can make things happen when when there's absolutely nothing there, and he absolutely is an MVP candidate at this point. Yeah, I would say he's he's definitely going to be up there in the uh, top three, top five, at least. Uh, one thing that I did want to talk about, and it kind of relates to the offensive line when they do have those inconsistent struggles, uh, Cam Newton, is he going to get his job back here? It looks like, you know, Kyle Allen's had about a 1,059 yards, seven touchdowns, only three picks. Uh, the Panthers have played pretty well in my estimation against some really good competition. What is it that, that he's doing to have success? And do you think that Cam is going to get his job back right when he's healthy or is this kind of a quarterback competition now? Yeah, and keep in mind the the three interceptions you mentioned, they were all in one game. They just came right. last week against mm-hmm. the 49ers. So he had a seven to nil, seven to zero uh, ratio going into that game. Um, the thing for me really with Kyle Allen is just North Turner has done a nice job just really scheming this offense to get a lot of their playmakers involved. And Kyle Allen, really all he has to do is just kind of manage the offense, just take care of the ball and just get the ball in the hands of his playmakers, you know, run, run it with McCaffrey and then get the ball in the hands of DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. Obviously didn't really take care of the ball last week against the 49ers, but in the, uh, the previous four games, before this, that was another key to the Panthers' success was they really didn't turn the ball over, and Kyle Allen just moved the ball downfield, kept the, kept the offense going, and the Panthers just, just kept churning out points. So it, it's really about uh, protecting Kyle Allen, and you know it, it's a lot of easy stuff, I think, too. Um, you know, a lot of short throws and, you know, some deep balls from time to time. But it's really just a matter of getting DJ Moore involved, getting Curtis Samuel involved. And that's what's helped the Panthers um, get back to the point where they were after a slow start. Now, when it comes to Cam Newton, obviously, this is going to be a topic that it seems like it's week right. to week. You know, the last couple of weeks, it's the news is broken on Monday that Rivera's come out and said Kyle Allen's going to be the starter. But I do think when Cam Newton is fully healthy, and obviously we have no idea when that's going to be, but when he is, he will be back as the quarterback of this team because a healthy Cam Newton is better, especially, you know, at least in this offense, than Kyle Allen. And, you know, Ron Rivera is going to ride with Cam Newton until he, until they can't go anymore. 
Right. right. Well, I, th- I think you got to do that, you know, mm-hmm. at, at this moment in time with where Cam is. That makes sense. So I guess getting the ball to the playmakers for Kyle Allen will have to be his his plan against the Titans then on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's worked it's worked so far this season. You know, DJ Moore can just do a lot of dangerous stuff when the ball's in his hands. And Curtis mm-hmm. Samuel has turned into a huge deep threat. So the, really, it's just getting those two guys involved in the, the Panthers offense will be fine. Yeah, absolutely. And keep in mind, the 49ers defense appears to be one of the absolute best defenses in in the NFL this year. So, uh, you know, would make sense that they would maybe struggle a little bit in that. And maybe that's not a complete – like I said, I don't think it's a complete reflection of who the Panthers are as a football team. And I think Titans fans, despite the 4-3 and record, should be very worried about going in you know, to Carolina and playing this game against a really solid football team. Well, that's going to do it for this segment our second segment here in our third segment we are going to flip this around and i'm going to answer some questions about the titans and we will talk about maybe some game predictions so follow us with that this is david harrison of the locked on commanders podcast and this episode is brought to you by discover looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Bill Rossetti, Tyler Rowland back with you guys here on Crossover Wednesday. Flipping the script, we are going to talk Titans now putting Tyler on the hot seat now you ready to go bud <laughs> yeah yeah I am ready to go man ready to go it's always a fun time now uh we ended the last segment talking about the Panthers quarterbacks I think I want to start with the Titans quarterbacks because that's obviously uh, a big big topic lately of the Titans to me it just seems like this Titans offense is actually playing a lot better under Ryan Tannehill in these last two games than they have with Marcus Mariota. What's been the big difference since Ryan Tannehill has stepped in at starter that the, the Titans just seem to seem to have turned over a new leaf on offense? Well, it, it was funny when when I first started talking, uh, I said, yeah, I'm ready to go. And I almost said, I didn't want to assume, but I almost said, I would imagine we're going to start with the quarterbacks, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's the question every, even before Tannehill was really being discussed as a possible option. That's always going to be the question, you know, with Marcus fifth year status here and seeing what they do with the contract. Well, in my opinion, the biggest difference is just Tannehill's willingness to throw the ball. And on the other side of that coin, his arm strength to do it. Uh, for whatever reason, Marcus was just a broken quarterback. Uh, he was seeing ghosts in the pocket, not feeling the pocket. He doesn't have a lot of arm strength to start with. Uh, combine that with like the injury he had last year to his elbow where he had some nerve issues. I think that still probably affect him and may forever. Those nerve injuries sometimes affect you forever. So he just wasn't throwing the ball with any zip and combine that with no confidence. And in the NFL, people aren't always going to be open. You got to make tight window throws. And Tannehill was willing to do that. That may cause some more interceptions and some more tip passes, but you have to take those kind of chances in the NFL and make those tight window throws. And Tannehill, quite frankly, is willing and able to make them. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, crazy to think, you know, with the way Tannehill was just kind of shunned from Miami, it seems like, uh, 
Thank you. Kind of resurrecting his career in Tennessee. Um, over on the defensive side of the ball, uh, you mentioned Jeffrey Simmons briefly, and um, it, it's just great to see the kid back on the field after the injury he suffered during during the pre-draft process. Um, was he limited in any way last week, or does he look like he's a full go and back to the force that he was at Mississippi State? And is he something, someone that the Panthers really have to be concerned about on Sunday? Uh, I would say it is somebody that you need to be concerned about on Sunday. Uh, He did increase his snaps. One of the big things that Coach Mike Vrabel talked about uh, was his stamina. It was just very, very obvious uh, during the last game against the Buccaneers that he was gassed playing that first game he, on the against the Chargers. He played excellent, and he, you know, he was a force for us and looked to be every bit the part uh, that we drafted him to be. But uh, we kept his snaps limited in the first game and increasing those snaps in the second game, you could see that he was winded and affected. So hopefully his stamina and his game shape improves just being out on the field. This is the first football he's played in quite some time. Uh, So I do expect him to be a force, but it will only be in a limited role as he continues to get into game shape, but his flashes and his, his plays, and you're going to see him on Sunday. He'll make a few plays where he just destroys an offensive lineman. And at his size, six, five, that kind of strength, He's just going to make plays and move bodies out on the field. So until he's in good enough shape to be out there all game long, he won't be able to consistently affect offenses. But in the times that he gets his snaps, uh, you'll see he's he's pretty effective. So I, I do think the Panthers will have to have a plan for him when he's out on the field. He's He is that talented. And just the front seven as a whole, you know, we, we mentioned, we talked about the Panthers front seven a little bit and their strengths. The Titans have a really excellent group themselves especially when you think back to the 2018 draft when everybody was going nuts when the titans were able to land both Rashawn evans and harold landry now that they have a season under their belt season season and a half now really because they're halfway into their second season um what's been the development like with those two and, and how much of a force have they been for this uh for this titans defense Phenomenal. Uh, That's one thing. This Titans team is very inconsistent. They're very up and down on offense. What's most disappointing as a Titans fan is that this defense for the last few years has been incredible. A top 10 defense, uh, top five scoring defense. Right now the Titans are top 10 scoring defense again. This defense is just loaded with talent from the drafts that we've had in the past few years and some key free agent signings. Uh, Rashawn Evans leads the team with 67 tackles. He is all over the place. You'll see him putting licks on everybody. He's just a a physical tone setter that the Titans did not have until he was drafted. And yeah, everyone should be going crazy because Harold Landry has five sacks. He just had a uh, strip sack recovery against Jameis Winston, which of course is a turnover machine. But uh, for a second year player who fell all the way to the second round, Harold Landry already having five sacks, 36 tackles, leading the Titans in tackles for loss. He's just going to continue to get better, and he hasn't had a lot of help and a lot of other people to make offensive lines worry until Simmons has come back lately and Jarrell Casey has rounded into form. But I think with those two picks and some of the other young pieces in the front seven combined with the incredible secondary, the Titans' defense has been buoyed in a major way by these young talents that they've acquired in the past few drafts. Yeah, they've they've been really fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, develop so quickly um and then 
we talked about the Panthers playmakers on offense, but uh, certainly a tough test for them this weekend with that Titans secondary. I mean, you've got Logan Ryan, you've got Malcolm Butler, a couple former Patriots still look like they're performing well. Uh, and then uh, Kenny Vaccaro there at safety. And of course, arguably one of the best, maybe in some, some people's eyes, the best safety in the game, Kevin Byard. How does this Titans secondary match up against this this Panthers, or the, you know, at least the group of wide receivers of the Panthers? What's going to be the Titans' goal here with these guys? I think that uh, one of these offenses is going to have to hit like a major play on a screen or uh, a big yak play on a slant where they make a guy miss and just get like a lucky alley and, and turn on the jets and make a play, something like that, because this secondary is phenomenal. And I, I'll put this on the record for Panthers fans. And I say it every week, Kevin Byard is the best safety in the NFL period. I, I mean, we can have a discussion about some other talented guys, but his versatility to cover tight ends and man uh, be the robber and zone uh, be the deep safety and cover three, uh, come up and, you know, run defense and be a blitzing safety and play will linebacker and some nickel packages. When we got to show base, Kevin Byard is phenomenal. And as a Panthers fan watching the game, just watch him uh, a couple of plays. Just, just, I, I promise you, he's so fantastic and so good at, at reading the the offense uh, hopefully he doesn't does well enough to maybe really show you guys uh, he has three interceptions on the year so uh, Logan Ryan another guy I think he's a defensive player of the year candidate if the Titans can remain competitive he does some of the things that I just said Kevin Byer does in terms of run defense and different zone coverages they run man coverages both those guys can basically do anything and everything out on a field as a defensive back and it allows the Titans uh, defensive backs to be really effective they have a great secondary everyone's back from last year uh, Dory Jackson's hurt right now but he may be back for this game we will see uh, one thing I think that does benefit the Titans here is they struggle massively against big receivers like Mike Evans we saw last week Mike Williams from the Chargers the Titans struggle with bigger bodied receivers because all their cornerbacks are a little smaller in stature Malcolm Butler is only about 5'11", 6 foot, even though he's really physical. Odori Jackson's only about 6'1", and very slight. So they struggled with big-bodied guys. Uh, the Panthers don't really have that. Their main wide receivers are, you know, Jarius Wright, uh, DJ Moore, Kurt Sam, Curtis Samuel, sorry, I call him Kurt Sam <laughs> for short. But, uh, you know, a lot of smaller, quick build guys. And I think that'll allow the Titans to maybe get a little physical with the line of scrimmage and not get – beat deep as easily on contested catches because those guys just lack the physical stature of some of the wide receivers that have beat the Titans consistently throughout this, you know, secondary's tenure. And just kind of in general, this Titans team, it feels like year in and year, at least the last couple of years, they've always just been a tough team to figure out because, you know, you kind of said that you, you kind of said it earlier, just the inconsistency with this team, you know, they, they seem to, go on a bit of a streak and you know both sides of the ball play well and then they kind of uh, flatten out a little bit especially on offense you know what is it about this team that makes them so so head scratching i guess in a sense well i can i can tell you what it is but i can't answer the question completely if that is any kind of answer. So the reason that this team can't consistently become a, like a good team, 
uh, is because the offense always struggles. Now, this is where it kind of comes into the confusing statement I just said. So the reason that the offense struggles is because the, the organization as a whole seems to be stuck in the mindset that we can only be a successful football team if we play the way that we did when we were most successful. So that means that early 1999, 2000s run with Eddie George and Steve McNair, where they just played fundamental physical football and offense and ran the ball and just took what the defense gave them in the passing game and tried to, you know, meticulously move the ball down the field and get field goals and win games 20 to 17 and things like that and play great defense. That was always the mold. And for some reason, the organization over 20 years cannot break out of that mindset. We've had, you know, two different controlling owners, three or four different GMs, five or six different head coaches, four or five different quarterbacks, and nobody can shake the organization out of that 1990s, 2000s offensive mind. And until that happens, it doesn't matter what changes. Until the organization can somehow shake out of that old school funk and old school direction and say, hey, we want to throw the ball 40 times down the field. But until we get somebody in here, whether it be a generational quarterback or an offensive-minded guru to shake the organization out of this 20-year funk, it's not really going to change the general way that the team plays. It's it's, And I don't know why they're stuck in that funk is what comes down to it. I don't know how you can be stuck in an offensive philosophy for 20 years, but something in the water there in the Cumberland is, is making the team not want to get out of the offensive mold that they had with Steve McNair and Eddie George and Jeff Fisher. And I don't quite know. Um, how to fix it other than a, an offensive guru like a Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan to just show up one day luckily, or uh, we get lucky and draft a quarterback who's just so generationally talented like Brett Favre was you know, to shake the, the team out of it. So whichever comes first, I don't know, but I'm in for the long haul. <laughs> and it's, it's, it can be frustrating for sure, I mean, because there's definitely a lot of talent on this team. Um, yes, wasting a defense that's top it, 10 it, every year. Yeah. I mean, they just can't seem to get over that hump. You know, they had the playoff appearance a couple of years ago, fell just short. I mean, they do have three straight nine and seven seasons, but right, you know, that's 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 almost like the definition of mediocrity. I mean, it's it's purgatory, as people would say. And and, and what's really funny yeah, that, about that's it is, a good word for it. yeah, it, they're stuck in purgatory. But we might be know, the same this year too. You know, it could it could it could show up as nine and seven. The team had this motto in the off season, uh, good to great. Like the the actual team accounts all were all on it. And for me, I'm just looking at it like good to wait. You know, like <laughs> are we gonna get any better? Wait a minute, you know. So, yeah, it's it's kind of frustrating, but it is better than before, you know, Marcus and before John Robinson, and they were, you know, 2 and 14 and 3 and 13 because mm-hmm. those are just – or 3 and 12. It's just unenjoyable to, you know, play those – and watch yep. those teams play. But in any event, this is not a team the Panthers should be overlooking. You know, and I know they yep. have a – you know, it's it'll be easy for them to kind of look ahead to Green Bay in Week 10, but – uh, they they can't they can't overlook Tennessee because there's still a lot of good players. We talked about Derrick Henry yeah. at the at the top, um, mm-hmm. AJ Brown, Corey Davis. There's a lot of people that can beat a lot this of Panthers. Talent. I know a lot, a lot of know. a lot of players that can beat this Panthers defense. So <laughs> I think it's going to be fun to watch. Well, what do you think is going to happen, man? Just a, a quick score and prediction before we get out of here. Uh I think it's going to be close. I think actually I'm thinking it's going to be really close. I'm going to say. 24-23 Panthers. I, I think they're going to squeak this one out and get back on their winning ways. 
Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think that's crazy, and mine's not too far away from that. I'm gonna do a little bit less scoring. I am gonna go twenty one to twenty. I do think the Panthers win the game at home. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be close. It could definitely go either way. So I, I think this is going to be a fun one to watch. Yeah, both teams have good and bad days. So we will see what we get from each squad. Well, I had a really good time talking to you here. These crossover Wednesday episodes are always always a great time, Bill. So thank you for Absolutely. joining me. And I, I hope everybody in, enjoys the show. Yeah, pr- appreciate your time, Tali. This is definitely a lot of fun. And yeah, hopefully the listeners uh, had a good time with this. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. Think of all the amazing things in life that are expressions of you. Your favorite football team, what you wear to the playoff watch party, that song that you stream over and over to get you pumped up for the gym, or the recommendations that you share with your friends on the top six comedy podcasts that are best to listen to on a long road trip, or even your new haircut, which may or may not be an epic ball cut from the 90s and hopefully is. Everything that makes you, you, makes all the difference. State Farm believes insurance should work the same way. Your plan, your coverage selections can be personalized by you. And the ability to choose the plan you want by picking the options that fit you, like choosing to bundle your home and auto policies, is what the State Farm Personal Price Plan is all about. Getting the coverage you want at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.